0: If you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 1. As we continue Philippians on Chain, the Joy Project, you uh, can pull up your notes online at uh, the LifeChurchMH.com or the Life Church Facebook page. Um, Fill in the blanks. We love to fill in blanks here, right? That's pretty weak. Come on now. Man, we love it. We just love it so much. (laughs) Yeah. And um, pull that up. We've got them here. They should be nearby uh, where you're seated. And um, starting at verse 21, Paul, for to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Man, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which is, would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. The joy of your faith. Uh, are you enjoying your faith walk right now? Uh, the church at Philippi was struggling. Um, Roman col- Roman colony. The Roman Empire, of course, was ruling and reigning, and they were giving grief to followers of Christ there. And yet, Paul says, "I want I want you to experience the joy of your faith in the midst of whatever you're going through. Always, always keep in mind that because Christ is living inside, He's our anchor for maintaining that joy factor. Right? Yeah. So." so that's that's just a good word from from Paul this morning. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, and you, want to, you might want to circle above all, because Paul is um, shooting a flare in the air. Might, might, this is um, um, you know, Paul's just coming off talking about heaven, living on the earth. But now he transitions above all. He's changing focus here. You must live as citizens of heaven. In other words, it's our responsibility to do that. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated anyway by your enemies. There will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you're going to be saved. Paul is uh, differentiating between heaven and earth, right? Heaven and hell right here, even by God himself, where you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Just a couple things off the top, Um, verse um, 27, standing together, the next sentence, fighting together, standing together, fighting together, Um, verse 30, struggle together. What does that say? That says, you're not alone. We do it together. We do it all together. Why? Because we're part of a family, the family of God, and that's important. And we'll get more into that as we um, um, drill down on this today. Desmond Doss was born in Virginia back in 1919. That was a long time ago. Uh, To working class parents, World War II commenced December 7th, 1941, and um, Desmond decided to enlist in the army in April 1942. Due to the, his own personal conviction that God uh, had called him to never carry a weapon, he trained as a medic and was assigned to a rifle company. And Doss's convictions earned him ridicule, abuse, and contempt from his fellow soldiers, plus um, Scorn from his superior officers. Man, they just gave him all kinds of grief. But, but through it all, Doss never wavered in his conviction of what he felt God told him. But all that changed in April 1945. You can see the map of um, Okinawa. Doss's company fought the Battle of Okinawa. It was the bloodiest battle of the Pacific War. The key to winning Okinawa was gaining a Japanese stronghold on top of a 400 foot sheer cliff, the Americans called Hacksaw Ridge. A bloody battle raged. It was brutal, but uh, the Japanese were able to hold their ground, and finally, Doss's battalion was ordered to retreat to leave Hacksaw Ridge. Everybody left except for Desmond Doss. All alone, he chose to stay on top. Why? Because he saw American bodies lining that field that were wounded, and he did not want to leave them behind. So with machine gun fire, artillery fire bursting all around him, he ran repeatedly back into the kill zone, carrying wounded GIs to the edge of the cliff and single-handedly lowered them to safety in a makeshift rope gurney. For 12 hours, he repeated this grueling task all alone until he was sure no wounded American was left on the ridge. And by the time he left Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doss had saved 75 American lives. Days later... The Americans took Hexaw Ridge while Doss uh, lay wounded in a base hospital. When his commanding officer came and brought him his Bible, Doss's Bible, it was charred, it was soggy, he had lost it on the initial assault. He was told that every man in, co- in his company, yes, the same men that had once ridiculed him for his faith in Christ, had insisted on searching for his Bible until they found it. And for his courage, Desmond Doss was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. But that wasn't the end. Years later, he was interviewed and he was asked how he found the strength to continue those 12 hours all alone. And his answer was very simple. It said um, each time he finished lowering another wounded man to safety down the cliff, he prayed, Lord, just help me get one more. One more. And as Desmond Dost lived in a hostile environment, he never wavered. He remained true to his convictions, his faith in Christ. And you and I are living in a hostile environment uh, throughout this world. We just heard about recently even Venezuela. I mentioned it to you Things that are going on in China right now, we could go on and on, places all around the world, hostility towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, we and I, you and I need to um, um, use Desmond Doss really as an example, a model on how we can live our lives, no matter how many people come after us, push us back, resist, mock us, whatever the case may be, we remain Faithful and our commitment to Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. We do it through eternal eyes, knowing that this is not our home. Heaven is our home. And number two, we realize how much God loves us. God loved us so much he sent Jesus to die. Therefore, I love him, and I don't want to do anything in my life to hurt him or grieve him. It's a simple love relationship. Which brings us to the Apostle Paul. Paul. Uh, Desmond Doss lived it, man. His words, his actions lined up. And that's what Paul is challenging you and I to do today as well in this text. So home is is where I belong. (laughs) Uh, I think there's a song somewhere in there, uh, but we won't sing it today. Uh, number one in your notes, just a quick review. Fill in the blank. Living means living for blank, and and uh, people have a different word, a topic, a theme they may put in that blank. Uh, but Paul is saying, for him, living for Christ. Christ in my whole life, Paul is saying, is wrapped up in Christ. He's got my full attention. Nicholas von Zinzendorf, he was the father of German missions back in the 1700s, put it this way, I have but one enthusiasm, it is he, capital H, only he, referring to Christ. (laughs) That's good. Man, I have one enthusiasm, and it's Jesus, man. That's what my life is consumed with. That's what I live for. Paul's in prison, doesn't know if he's going to live or die, waiting to get a, uh, into a debate really with Caesar, you know, and, uh, which was Nero. And Paul is saying, man, if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. If I die, I'm going to live with Christ. For Christ, with Christ. So be it. In the ruins of ancient Carthage, we see a contrast for what it means to live for. An inscription carved by a Roman soldier, this is what he wrote, to laugh, to hunt, to bathe, to game, that is life. And really how empty that is, friend. I don't know what you've filled in the blank with today, but What will count for eternity is it's Christ, living for Christ and Christ alone. Number two, torn between two worlds, verses 22 and 23. Paul is saying, I'm torn between two desires. And uh, the language Paul uses here, um, uh, it's referring to um, a a journey, a, a, a person who's traveling on a trip. And um, as they, they go farther and farther, uh, it, the, the imagery here would be like walking through a canyon and, and the rock formations are getting narrower and narrower. And that's the image uh, Paul is, is giving to us. He's basically saying on one side there's a wall, on the other side there's another wall. And you Philippians... Um, you have to understand that I'm caught in a canyon of emotion, you know. I want to live to be with you, and I want to die because then I could be with Christ. And there's a real battle raging within him. When Mark Twain was told about heaven, he scoffed and said, Heaven, you can have heaven. Give me Bermuda. Just a nice sunny vacation is all I really want. Just pleasure for myself. Forget about heaven. Hopefully that's not your perspective in life. Um, Paul is is his mission is quite different than that. He's saying I'm torn between two desires. I long to go. I long to go. Interesting words here. I long to go. In the Greek, it means to break up. It means to um, unloose and undo. Uh, that that language that Paul chose. Here was used by sailors in that day, by soldiers and farmers. For sailors, it meant going from one port to another. In other words, um, to break up, to unloose, to undo. In other words, you pull up the anchor, you you pull back the ropes, and you head for another port. That's what he's saying here. I long to go. I want to pull up my chains. I want to pull up the ropes that are holding me down on this planet, and I want to go to a new port, and that's heaven. That's the imagery. That's what Paul meant in 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. that's the same word. Pulling up, pulling up the chains, pulling up the anchor. I'm ready to go to the next port. He's, he's saying it's time to go. It's time to go. Yeah, That, that great hymn, I'll Fly Away. How many of you... Remember that song? Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. All right. All right. That's some, that's some good singing. Yeah. Yeah. We heard you online too, man. It came through, came through the, the cable. Uh, good backup. Thank you for singing with us. And, uh, but here's the deal. To a home on God's celestial shore. It's got the same Im- imagery. You get, you get on a, you're on a boat, you pull up the anchor, you're going to a new boat. And you see that over and over in Christendom, the imagery. I'm going to a new port. I'm going to that heavenly shore. And there we go. So soldiers used it too, you know, in their camps. Uh, during their military exercises, they would train, they would pull up their camp, pull up the tents and, and move to a new site and um, Paul is remembering that imagery that he used in Second Corinthians 5, um, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in, and Paul is saying this is a tent. It's a tent. When it's taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So for all of you tenters out there, your campers, you campers, you, you, you camping folks that use tents, um, I'm an alumni of that as well. Um, I am no longer, I, I, I turned in my club card for camping a long time ago. But growing up, we would use a tent, you know, and everything would go in the trunk and we, we'd go on vacation, go to the KOA campground. <laughs> dating myself, I know put the tent up and and I remember many times, man, it would rain, you know, rain. And um, everything was sopping wet in the tent. And what'd you do, man? Well, this is what we did. We just threw it in the back of the trunk and we drove all the way home. (laughs) Call it, that's it, you know? Paul is using that same imagery that, man, our bodies are tense. They're not going to I remember this tent, man. It had some holes in it, you know. At the seams, the more you use it, man, those seams, you know, they kind of stretched out and you could see daylight in there. Remember that? That's how our bodies are. The older they get, they're not getting stronger. Paul is saying, this is a tent, man. And it's so good to know that we're not going to have this tent that has holes in it, that has the seams are breaking out, you know. We're going to have a heavenly home that God's preparing for us. We're going to fold up this tent one day and go to be with the Lord. He says, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. What's Paul emphasizing here? He's not, he's not saying the departure is what I'm looking forward to. He's saying it's the arrival. How many of you know when you go on vacation, you hear it from the back seat? Are we there yet? (laughs) Right? That's biblical. Yeah, that's biblical. Are we there yet? It's It's the arrival. Paul is emphasizing the arrival here. It's an encounter. John 14 Jesus says, "When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me." See that? It, it's the arrival. You will be with me where I am. Second Corinthians five eight. For then we will be at home with the Lord. You see that? It's an encounter. That's what we look forward to. There's going to be a departure, but there's going to be an encounter. Paul says, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Literally, in the Greek, it would read, which is much more better. Now, for all of you English majors out there, I know that's bad English. But just get past it. Because this is in the Greek, man. And this is how they talk. And what Paul is saying is, I don't really have the words. I really don't. I don't have the words to express to you as I'm writing How fired up I am about getting to where God is. Let's read that bad English again. Which is much more better? (laughs) Which is much more better? Paul, man, even though chained to a Praetorium guard, he is fired up. Looking through eternal eyes, man. Far more, much more better F.B. Meyer, he was a, um, a colleague uh, along with D.L. Moody back in the day. He was pastoring in England. He wrote a letter to a, to a friend of his when he knew that his life was coming to an end. And this is a portion of what he wrote, I've just heard to my great surprise that I have only but a few days to live. It may be that before this letter reaches you, I shall have entered the palace. Don't even bother to write. Because we shall meet in the morning. We shall meet in the morning. Man. So I know, I know some people get fired up. There's going to be a golf course in heaven. There's going to be streets of gold, you know. Um, we can go on and on. But Paul is saying, it really, he said, I, I get that. But what's important is not what's there, it's who's there. That's what Paul's all fired up about. He's fired about who's there. And all you know, some of you here today, you know, you have family members that have gone before you. They put their faith in Christ. They're in heaven. And when you have family members, relatives, friends that are that have gone before you, there is that. Anxiousness on our on your part, isn't there? That one day you'll see them again and you have that promise that you will. But even more than that, Jesus yes. is there. And we will see him face to face. Jesus, the lover of my soul, will be there. And what a celebration. A thousand, ten thousand. A million, a trillion, man, we go so far out and it's like, I think I'll get bored. You're not going to get bored, man. No, boredom is not in the dictionary in heaven. It's not in there. And so we have that to look forward to. Always, Paul is saying, um, we will be, you will always be with me where I am, always with the Lord. Because he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's not. Man, I'm tired of these people. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to another planet somewhere, another universe out there. No, he's, He will always be with us. Um. Number three, joy thrives when life is not about me. It's not about me. Notice Paul, verse twenty-four. But for your sakes, your sakes. Paul is not into instant gratification. He's not. It's not about me. What I want. Notice how Paul defers here. He says, "But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live." And when you look at Paul's life and the oh man, the suffering and the all of those attacks on his life, you'd say, "God, who beat me out of here? I, I'm tired of this." No, he doesn't. He doesn't major on that. He's saying, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive, so I can. I can't continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Isn't that great news? He cares about others. His joy doesn't, you know, he's got joy on the inside, but he really gets fired up when he sees people growing in their faith. Man, does that give him joy. So what do you live for? Well, life isn't about us. I know that's contrary to what our culture has to say, but it's about Jesus, it's about others, and then it's about you. Paul's saying it's not about my joy, it's about your joy that gives me joy. See, that's a joy transfer. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, which we'll get to. A mature believer's willing what they want in life or their future to put that on pause if it means helping somebody else and this echoes it in philippians 2 don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others is better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too that's a good word isn't it in in 2021 look out for other people man paul saying i'm willing to postpone heaven if i can help others on planet earth to grow in their faith with Jesus Christ. I'm I'm, I'm good with that, Paul says. So we're on our way to heaven, friends. Let's do something before we go. Let's not stay on the sidelines. Let's not dig a hole in the ground and hide until Jesus comes. No, let's do something. Let's do it. Number four, joy flourishes singing Christ's work in us, verse 26. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. What is Paul talking about? He's saying, you're going to get fired up because because even though I have been uh, stuck under house arrest for two years, you don't have to feel sorry for me because guess what? God has been working in my life. Even chained to a guard. God is working in me. He's transforming my life. And Paul is saying, You're going to get it fired up. You're going to be full of joy when you see what God has been doing in my life. The same way when I look at you and I see, that's how it is at Life Church, man. You want to know what gets people fired up? When they see people growing in their faith with Christ. Life, life transformation. I was this, but I am here today by the grace of God. Yeah. That's what brings joy. Paul is saying that, you know, right here. You will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Joy comes when you see God working in people's lives. And that's something to celebrate. So, number five, we we touched on this earlier, live as a citizen of heaven, verse 27a. So, Paul's transitioning um, uh, from privileges, you know, the privilege we have as followers of Christ prior to this, to our obligations. And here's the switch. Above all, he says, you must... Not if you get around to it. if you feel like if it works out for you, no, he says, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news." And so Philippi was under Roman rule. It was a Roman colony. And back in that day, Rome was the the most powerful nation in the world, and to have Roman citizenship, man, you would hang that paper on your refrigerator, you know, that your citizenship was in Rome, because, man, that was worth something. You, you, you You could get proud about that fact, and I am a Roman citizen. But here's the thing, Paul realizes that this congregation this new congregation in philippi the citizenship is being competed with the citizenship of heaven yeah they were roman citizens in philippi which was i uh, was okay according to paul but he said you should really get fired up that your citizenship is in heaven whoa that's what you get fired up about he says you must live as citizens of heaven He's saying you're going to live in this Roman colony, you know, in Philippi, but live there as citizens that represent heaven well. Man, people know that you're a follower of Christ. That's what he's saying. It's a colony of heaven in Philippi, you know? Life Church is a colony of heaven in Wisconsin, right? It's a colony, man. And we're citizens of heaven. And while we're living in this colony, we're going to represent Jesus Christ and his kingdom well. Well. John Bunyan, you've heard about him. We've talked about him lately. He said, a man can be a saint abroad and a devil at home. Why did he write that? Because living at home is your biggest challenge. You can put a show on outside of your home, but you're the real deal in your house. And Paul is saying, hey, this colony in in Philippi, you need to represent Christ well in your home. Because that's boot camp. You want to find out if God's working in your life? Hey, you want to see the life transformation? Your house, your home, that's where it's at. Man, if you can live it in your home, you can live it anywhere. Anybody say yo about that? Yeah. Yo? Are you good to go? Yo? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's easy to let your guard down at your house, man. You know, you come home from work, you, uh, day at school, whatever. Uh, you take a chill pill. Uh you could get, you get past those stresses at work, but you can't do it at home. Yeah. Let's let God work in our lives in our homes. Ladies and gentlemen, let, let, let God work in us in our homes. May our children see the life transformation in our homes. Because that's representing Christ's will. We have a colony at Live Church. We have a colony in our homes as well. Let's raise that banner of Jesus high in our home. So that's where Paul's at. Um, on November 19th, 2007, Pauline Jacoby just did her grocery shopping. Uh, pushed the cart out to her car in the parking lot in Dyersburg, Tennessee. She got into her driver's seat to head home and suddenly a man came in the passenger side and sat down next to her. He said, I have a gun and I'll shoot you if you don't give me your money. Well, Pauline Jacoby was 92 years old. And she refused his demands three times before saying this to him if you kill me I'll go to heaven and you'll go to hell 92 years old remember and she wasn't done she said Jesus is in this car and he goes with me wherever I go (laughs) the dude next to her he started crying, and for the next 10 minutes, Jacoby talked about her faith in Christ, about God and eternity, and finally, he, he told her that he would go home, I'll just go home and pray, and Jacoby responded that he could pray anytime, uh, right there in the car, God, God would hear him, you know. And she reached into her purse, and she gave him all the money that she had, which was $10, and tears are rolling down his cheeks. He took the money and left, but before leaving, he kissed her on the cheek. But here's the thing. What gave Pauline Jacoby the strength to verbally stand up to this man? Huh? What was it? It was the strength of her spiritual life, the strength of her love for Christ and her Confidence in God's word, and that strength was reinforced. We go back to Venezuela, where Christians were forced to eat pages out of the Bible. The strength was reinforced by the habit of reading her Bible every day. See, where she knew that Jesus goes where she goes. See, she had, she knew God's word and that promise. That's how we should live. Desmond Doss lived it years ago. Pauline Jacoby lived it not long ago. Paul is challenging you and I to live for Christ, for we are citizens of heaven. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, we we realize it's so easy to get caught up on what goes around us that we think that this is our home that this is where you will always be, but that's been proven false, Lord, over history. This is not our home. And today we are reminded that, as Paul said, we are citizens of heaven. Help us, Lord, to represent you well. Help us to live for you well in our homes, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods. Our words, our actions line up, Lord. We represent Christ and his kingdom. Let's represent him well today. So Lord, thank you for this encouragement that we were able to get from your word today. May we apply it to our lives, being conscious of the fact that we see things through eternal eyes. Eternity is always in front of us. Heaven is our home. A reminder of that, Lord. A reminder that we represent Jesus and his kingdom wherever we go, no matter what we do. And so today, Lord, as we sit and those watching, talk to us in these next moments, maybe in areas that we need to allow you to work in. And on in and through us, Lord. We give you permission to do that because we believe that your Spirit is working and speaking. And so we thank you. You love us so much. You don't want to leave us the same, Lord. You want us to become more conformed after you. And we pursue that. In Jesus' great name, amen. Let's stand.